there was a moment at a, I was a youth pastor for like six years, six and a half years, and there was a moment at a summer camp where there was this big altar call time and we're gonna pray for healing and miracles and all this stuff, and so half my, like almost half my youth group just surrounded me, mm. all these kids, and they're believing tonight's the night, we're yeah. gonna see a miracle, God's gonna heal AJ. and. Um, and they're surrounding me and they're praying and there's like a dozen of these kids and a couple of you staff and they're they're like weeping and praying and um just see and this went on for probably close to an hour just really begging and pleading and weeping that god would do a miracle and nothing happened and so in that moment i had to be the youth pastor to say hey guys not yet even though i'm dying inside going god this was the moment you missed it Welcome back, friends, to the Aching Joy podcast. My name is Jason Haig. Well, we've been on a bit of a hiatus, but we're back, and I'm so glad to be able to introduce you to a personal friend of mine uh, and one of my most talented friends. His name is A.J. Baird, and A.J. is a singer-songwriter performing under the name Blind Bard. And I'm so excited to be able to introduce him to you today because A.J. has a lot to say about joy in the midst of pain, and that's what our podcast is all about. And he's going to sing some songs for us today, and he's going to tell us some of his own story, and he's going to drop some C.S. Lewis references, because that's what he does, and that's one of the reasons I love this guy. And I think you're going to love him, too. His music is absolutely gorgeous, and I think the whole world needs to hear it. They need to hear these songs and uh, and this honest voice. He's my first in-studio guest, if you count my office at church as a studio. We're working on one microphone pretty low tech, but I am very pleased to have my friend AJ Baird, AKA Blind Bard. Welcome AJ. Tell us about your, uh, your name, Blind Bard. Well, um, my last name Baird, uh, actually came from the Gaelic Bard, which is a traveling storyteller or a songwriter. So it fits with, you know, really what I'm wanting to do is I want to be out, I want to be able to go out and play the music I've been writing and also tell stories because uh, I love, I mean, some of my favorite, some of the most inspirational things to me are storytellers. So a lot of my songs come from books, you know, come right. from children's stories or otherwise, you know, C.S. Lewis, one of the greatest narrators of, of our, our uh, over the last hundred years, um, uh, is a heavy influence uh, for sure. I mean, we, when I was doing a little bit heavier music, one of our albums, the entire album was a concept album based off of The Great Divorce. And so... I've realized that narration and storytelling is a huge part of, of what I do musically. So, And that's sort of how I guess I bonded with you mm-hmm. and our mutual friend Paul Nunn, is mm-hmm. that we had all sort of had this love of story yeah. and then also had things in our own lives mm-hmm. um, that were both difficult and that we found, you know, managed to find beauty out of them. And since this okay. is the Aching Joy podcast, mm-hmm. I thought... I need to bring AJ on to talk about some of his story. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you talked about the bard part. We'll get to the blind part in a little bit. But I want to I want to start. Uh, you, you, you're only here in Oregon this week because you're about to leave us forever, <laughs> which I'm trying not to take personally. Oh, yeah. But I think it has something to do with me. But whatever. That's fine. <laughs> you're here helping your father who's been a pastor in town uh, for a number of years. You're helping Mm -hmm. him move back across the country. And uh, his family's very, very important to you. Mm -hmm. And you wrote a song uh, called Higher Ground about your dad. Can you tell us about the the, uh, circumstance about this song and then -hmm. then sing it for us? Yeah, so uh, the song actually came out because uh, I was sitting down one day to write, and it was a totally 
uh, serendipitous moment because I wasn't planning on writing a song about my dad. I was just planning on writing a song, uh, and, and and this imagery of a flood kept coming into my mind. Um, and I kept thinking about the floods that we'd have at our house in Arkansas where, where they were pretty mild, but we had to do repairs every time, you know, and it seemed like our house was the only one in the whole neighborhood that was hit with this thing because of a bad drainage problem. And so I wanted to ride out of this place of like unfairness and, and, you know, a very melancholy way to start. And then, uh, I got this inspiration to ask my dad about, he, I've heard this story from him, um, most of my life about a flood that he was in when he was a kid. And so I called him to ask about the particulars and out of that came this song. And really what happened, my dad, my dad was born and raised in Rapid City, South Dakota. And in, uh, um, in the early seventies, um, uh, there was a, a massive rainstorm that came and it burst a dam and this huge flood uh, swept through the city of Rapid City and killed like over 200 people. And uh, so I started writing, the first words that I wrote down really were, um, it was 72 on June the 9th when the rain that fell made the waters rise and Canyon Lake lost its dam that night. So it was just like, it started to kind of flow and uh, the idea of higher, like moving towards higher ground started but uh, um, this is actually a unique experience in this song in that uh, um, it was one that while I was writing it, and this has happened just a few times, I was getting really emotional because I was realizing this thing was being created through me, not necessarily that I was making this thing. It was like something was happening through me. It was more of like being a conduit. And that sounds so weird. And there are some people that talk about song and I was like, well, you have to discover the song. And I'm like, well, no, like they're not their own living things, you know. Or are they? Or are they? But, but you know, they. Um, there is an element to uh, songwriters and storytellers just being a conduit for something else. And I feel like when I finished this song, I played it for my dad, and, and he just, just cried and cried. And that was awesome because when somebody cries after I've written a song, it's generally a home run for me, and I get off on that really. I really enjoy it a lot. So yeah. <laughs> when people cry, <laughs> I guess. But um, anyway, so I wrote this one um, really as a result of that. There's a line in it too that I feel like people might misunderstand. Um, the kind of the, th the third verse um, talks about like, I remember the lies the people swore turning from love to brandish their swords. And really that came out of, um, uh, my dad's been a pastor my basically my whole life. And uh, there was a really ugly church split in which there were people that were just hurling a whole bunch of lies and, and slandering my dad. and. And I remember being in the sanctuary while, while they were having this meeting and these people were just slandering and just throwing the stuff and I was seeing red and I was just so mad and so angry and wanted to just, you know, and I watched my dad just stand there without saying a word. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that spoke to me quite a bit. Um, another instance, he was uh, working at a golf store and, um, and the manager was just a jerk, just the biggest jerk. And, and my dad's really good with people and the manager was a very insecure dude. So when when some people just left the store and my dad was like, I ah, have a great day. See you next time. You know, he just wigged out at my dad, flipped out, started shoving him backwards, just started shoving him. And, uh, I heard about this when I was in Bible college and I was like, you know, um, you know, three days of driving away. Otherwise I'd have probably tried to go down there and, and, you know, put a pitching wedge into the guy's head because I was so mad and I'm not generally a mad person. Um, but I was so mad. Like, um, I remember sitting in my dorm room again, just seeing red, just so angry. And I asked my dad, what'd you do? And he's like, I just walked away. And I, I remember this, something in me broke and I realized I'm not my dad. 
but I want to be like my dad. When it was 72 on June the 9th When the rain that fell made the waters rise Canyon Lake lost its dam that night And took all but higher ground And you found them on Jackson Boulevard Ankle deep in their own front yard You thanked the Lord the car could start And you went for higher ground If I ever learned a thing from my father Never fear hell or high water Even when there's problems all around You just look for the higher ground I remember the lies the people swore Turning from love to brandish their swords I remember you stood without saying a word Yeah, you took the higher ground And if I ever learned a thing from my father It's never fear, hell or high water Even when there's problems all around You just look for the higher ground Well, if I ever learned a thing from my father It's never fear, hell or high water Even when there's problems all around You just look for the higher ground So I really hope that you know by now Pain in your back and sweat on your brow Rest assured your kids know how To take the higher ground <laughs> Love that song, man. Love Thank that you. song. Thank I can you. see why he broke down when you played it. That's so good. Um... <laughs> And I know what you mean. There's, you know, it's really good to be able to to write something or play something that that touches people. But I think that song, it's it's more than just a tribute uh, to your dad in that instance with the flood. It, it it seems to have become sort of part of who you are too, of of your desire uh, to live with integrity and your desire yeah. to to not get sucked into the world stuff. It, I, I feel like. I, forgive me if I'm, I'm overlaying too much of my vision of the world on you, but you want to live a better story right. than what the world is offering. Right, yeah. Or believe that there's um, there's more 
You know, I think about, uh, and this is probably just because we, we just went through these, think about Puddleglum in the silver chair yeah. and how, you know, the, the witch has them in a trance and all this stuff and there is no world above this. It's right. all that there is. And he's just like, well, if what I can imagine is better than what you have to offer, then this is a pretty sad kingdom, you know? And, and that's kind of where it's like, I want to make sure that in all the stuff that I do, there is that really that hope or what my wife and I call the deep magic, um, mm-hmm. to use another Lewis term, like a deep magic that draws people from the world to this place beyond. Um, and uh, we, I mean, we we use deep magic a lot. Like we talk about our favorite our favorite storytellers, and we just go, man, that one's dripping with deep magic. If there's the deep magic there, really, it is that that hope mm-hmm. that. Um, um, the love of the father, the attributes of the father, the things of the things of the father, um, like Lewis talks about in the in the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Um, you know, Aslan had to die for Edmund to appease the deep magic, the very character and nature of of the creator himself. You know, mm-hmm. and and so we talk about those, and I think if 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 these these um, I don't know the, these images that culture wants to throw out, or or even in in the creative arena of of the world, um, these songwriters like they they have these things to offer, um, and yet the greatest story ever still um, just overshadows them. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. It's like holding a candle up to the sun, you know. Um, and those are the things I want people to grab onto those those eternal things, those things. And I want to be a conduit of that, you know. I think it's it's less about like um, it's less about me being like perfect because <laughs> I'm never going to be there but if I can be a conduit for the perfect one then um and that's all that I want you know I want that hope to come through so I think uh and we've talked about this before one of the frustrating things uh that we've tend to encounter uh believers in their 30s and 40s growing up uh and seeing frankly a lot of poor art Oh yeah, um, Christ, you know that that's that's speaking of God, but it's not speaking very well of Him. Right. <laughs> it's not employing beauty. Right. Right. Um, it's hoping the message itself will carry it all the way through. And right. sometimes there's a, been a facade. But one of the reasons I think it, it, it hasn't worked well is that there's been a facade that everything's fine in our lives and we don't have problems. Mm. And that's that's uh, I think where good storytellers can come in and say, actually, no, we're not going to pretend there aren't hard things going on. Right. We really and truly are, right. but that's why we look to the perfect one in the midst of it, in the yeah. midst of hardships, in the midst of the storm. That's what I get from your music, and particularly, I, 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 I got it in this song, A Prayer of Faith. Yeah. Um, can you tell us what this song is about? Yeah, um, so uh, to get into really why I'm called Blind Bard, um, uh, barred for my last name, but blind, about 10 years ago, um, I was diagnosed with macular dystrophy. Um, and the doctor said that he, he believes it's Stargardt's disease. And so that's been kind of what, uh, what I've been walking through for the last 10 years and what's happened over the course of 10 years. I mean, when I was a kid, I had poor vision. Like I, I played baseball and I could, I couldn't see the ball off the bat very well. And I'd have to kind of catch it in my peripheral and then I can hone in on it. And I just thought that was normal for people that wore glasses, you know? Um, and uh, that it was a prescription thing. And then I got to an age, we went, when Rachel and I were first married, um, we went to an eye doctor and he's like, you have some spots on your eyes. Did you look at the sun when you were a kid? And I'm like, no, like who looks at the sun when they're a kid? I mean, I guess there's some people that do, but I, I, I didn't think that was me. And, and uh, it wasn't until later, about 10 years ago, I was diagnosed with this thing. And since then, 
um, I've lost basically all of my central vision. So all I have is my peripheral and, um, and so it's presented, it, it it's really, um, it's just made things a lot harder. Reading is really hard. Um, if I'm going to read anything, it's got to be really big font and generally backlit. Um, if it's not backlit, I have a hard time because I need that extra contrast, um, and extra light really. Um, and so, so that's where many songs have come out of, not just, not just this one. Um, but many, many songs have come out of that place and, um, just wrestling with, uh, you know, you grow up or I grew up in, um, I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up in, um, like evangelical Christianity where, uh, we believe that miracles are for today and that God wants to do miracles and they happen all the time. And, and you have all of this and, and when you are a kid, it's so easy because you're just like, yeah, absolutely. This is happening. And you see, you know, um, you see things happen in other people and whether you can actually measure them or not, like you want to, you want to be excited about what the Lord is doing. Um, but then when you actually have something that you need healing for and you pray and you pray and you pray and nothing happens, it really makes you go, well, but do they? Like, is this still something that happens today? Like, you know, I want to believe that. And I've quoted, you know, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And, and that, uh, you know, the, the leper came up to Jesus and said, you know, if you're willing, Jesus said, I am willing, you know, and there's all of these things that make me say, I I want to believe that God heals today. And I think today I can say he does. Absolutely. But God is also sovereign and has an idea of what he's doing, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and what reconciles me to that is, is. When, uh, when God is talking to Ananias and says, I'm sending Paul your way. And Ananias was like, wait, what? Like, that guy, he kills people. He's horrible. He's terrible. And God told Ananias, he goes, no, I'm going to show him how he is to suffer for my sake. And then we hear about Paul uh, having this thorn in his side that he has to wrestle with his whole life. And probably because of my own thing I'm dealing with, I, I think Paul probably had a vision problem. You know, and that's just me probably... Uh, projecting that on Paul, but like um, Paul had to reconcile that too because he was seeing he was seeing God do some amazing things, and and yet there was this thing that was never gone. And anyway, so a lot of songs have come out of that in really wrestling with it, and um, including this one. Your word says if anyone needs wisdom, let him ask. And a prayer made in faith is enough to give him that. I don't think I'm wise enough to know just what that means. So please, would you explain it to me? Your word says if anyone needs healing, let him ask. And a prayer made in faith will give his vision back. I don't see it clear enough to know just what that means. So please, won't you help me to see? I want to believe in miracles again 
I wanna believe that grace outweighs my sins. In the dark, I can call upon the light, and it will all be Your word says the prodigal returning will be saved But the son who stayed will likely be enraged I don't think that I can take the truth of who I am The prodigal or proud of who I've been I want to believe in miracles again I want to believe that grace outweighs my sins In the dark I can call upon the light And it will all be over says that Abraham and Isaac died without seeing the fullness of your promise playing out they both had reckless faith while others had such doubt I want to know what that's about Um, that song really touches me, you know, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, you know, uh, my story with my son, Jack, who still has nonverbal autism. And I, you know, honestly, in that whole realm, the autism realm, special needs realm, uh, healing is, is a little bit different. It's a, it's authority or subject. It's, um, it's more directly tied into personality and things, but, um, I have prayed many, many times for my son to just be able to communicate, mm-hmm. just to be able to say what's on his mind. And, and um, you know, it's been years. He's 14 years old. He's, he's still nonverbal. And mostly I deal with that and, and, you know, don't think a whole lot of it now. But, you know, we were just at the lake this past week, and we were sitting out there, and he's staring at it. And I say, you really like this, huh? What do you like about this? And, and just not being able to hear what he likes about it still like I still want so badly to know what's in his mind and what's on his heart. And I know that that might never happen. And um, I think that's, that, that's a tricky thing that those of us who, who believe that God is good and that God is active in this world wrestle with the question of why. Like we, we believe, but why aren't we seeing it? 
And it, it makes me think of a woman I met at a conference uh, last year who had two sons with severe um, disabilities and had taken them to healing service after healing service for years and years, and now they're becoming uh, young men and, um, and don't really want to have much to do with the church at this point and are, are very hurt. And um, she said, do you think I should stop uh, taking them? And I said, yes, I think you should, because um, they, <laughs> uh, they, they, they need to, to understand the embrace of the Father. And you, the bigger thing was for her, is she thought it signaled a lack of faith if she stopped biting and clawing for this, this thing called healing. And I think for all of us, we need to come to a place when we can hold whatever it is that we're crying out, we can hold that open-handed before the Father and say, I love you, I believe in you, and I don't understand why this isn't here, but I am going to embrace and accept this circumstance because you're in it with me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's kind of that same thing I was talking to uh, a professor about about my vision and praying for healing and not seeing it. And, you know, and and I don't, I don't ever want to just dog on like, a certain expression of the church or, right. or whatever, cause that's not, that's not helpful. Um, but there, there's, there's been a lot of doctrine that's been pushed out there that I think isn't helpful. Right. Um, and, and I don't want to get into too many specifics, but, but really what it comes down to, cause we were never promised perfection. We were never promised, um, wholeness. We were never promised freedom and finances and freedom and all these things. We were never promised those things. In fact, we were promised the other side of that. We were promised that there will be suffering. There will be, people will hate you because of this. People will, we were promised these things, but we were also given the greatest promise that these things will come to an end. And one day there will be perfection. We will see, uh, we will see everything clearly. Um, and, and that's the part that is, I was, like I said, I was talking to this professor, professor, and I said, so what do I do? Do I stop praying for healing? Because I've prayed for healing so many times. Do I just stop praying for healing? Obviously, like my mind is saying, obviously God's not going to heal me. Um, and I, I say that because there was a moment at a, I was a youth pastor for like six years, six and a half years. And there was a moment at a summer camp where there was this big altar call time and we're going to pray for healing and miracles and all this stuff. And so half my, like almost half my youth group just surrounded me, mm. all these kids. And they're believing tonight's the night we're yeah. going to see a miracle. God's going to heal AJ. And, um, and they're surrounding me and they're praying. And there's like a dozen of these kids and a couple of you staff. And they're, they're like weeping and praying and um, just see. And this went on for probably close to an hour, just really begging and pleading and weeping that God would do a miracle and nothing happened. And so in that moment, I had to be the youth pastor to say, hey, guys, not yet. Even though I'm dying inside going, God, this was the moment you missed it. Like that was when it was going to happen yeah. and it didn't. So... In my mind, I say, okay, so I'm not like, should I even just pray for healing anymore? Because it didn't seem like that's in God's cards for me. And, and, um, and that's, you know, that's okay. It, it, it's like, I, I have to reconcile with that. I have to try to figure that out. But I was talking to a professor and I said, do I just stop praying for healing? Like, what do I do? Do I just like give up and say, okay, this is my cross to bear my thorn. This is my issue. Like, and he goes, no. I said, so I keep praying for praying for healing. He said, yes, keep praying for healing. Be the persistent widow. Just keep praying for healing and know that the kingdom of God is both now and not yet. Mm -hmm. And he said, you will be healed one day. He goes, it might be today. It might be tomorrow. It might be in 10 years. And it might be when you go to heaven, but you will have healing. And I had to like 
wrestle like something thinking, well, when you go to heaven, it's like, that's a cop out. Like, come on, right. God is bigger than that. But at the same time, if God can be um, glorified through my response to this thing or through, uh, or if, if God can use me to somehow encourage or uplift someone else because of this thing in me, like, and I think about my music, most of these songs wouldn't exist if it weren't for this issue. And if these songs can somehow encourage someone that's going through that and give yeah. them something to hang on to, um, or the promise that this hope that we have through Jesus, through Jesus is a sure and steadfast anchor for our soul. If I can give that to someone, if I can be used by the Lord to provide that, like, then so be it, man. Unless there is a miraculous intervention with your eyesight, mm-hmm. it's not going to get better. In no. fact, it'll continue to degenerate right. as you as you go on. Right. Um, so there are things that that your heart cries out for mm-hmm. that you won't be able to experience. Right. How do you have hope in the midst of that? Yeah. Um, you know, that's a good question. I think part of it is, is something I can attribute to, uh, to not to me. Um, you know, when we were in the, hospi- or in the hospital, in the doctor's office, and he came in, um, when he came in the room with some results, there was kind of like heaviness. Because he's looking at me and my new wife, and we have a little newborn baby, um, and he has to tell me this news that, like, you're losing your eyesight. Um, when he shared that news, like, Rachel and I both felt this just totally overwhelming, unexplainable peace. It's going to be okay. We're going to be all right. And so part of me, it's like, that has to be the Holy Spirit just yeah. bringing peace, <laughs> you know, because I, I certainly didn't conjure that. And there's days where, especially, like, man, when, when, when I'm in... Uh, when I'm in fellowship with the church, you know, the large C church, you know, whether it's at somebody's house over a meal or whether it's at our, our, our fellowship that we go to or whether it's whatever it is, you know, that hope is there and that hope helps to carry me through and go, you know what, that's, it's going to be okay. And I think if I didn't have that, um, it would be real hard because a lot of the, the date, the bad days would be more prevalent, I think, and that it would be like this, um, you know, this is unfair. Why is this happening to me? I'd probably be a whole lot more bitter of a person. But there's something about, um, there's something about that, that he is the Prince of Peace. There's something about the the Holy Spirit bringing, being the Comforter, um, that certainly does carry, um, carry me through those those times for sure. And just as you alluded to, um, the kingdom is now, and it's not yet. Yeah. And I think if we cling too hard to the now, we stop praying, we stop believing that things can be better. But if we cling too hard to the not yet. We go the other direction. Yeah. And I, I think if we can hold both of those together and remember that we are only in Act One, and this is where living from a story right. and a better story, right. uh, I think it, it calls to us. It's, you know, it's, it's the, the, the mountain where all the beauty came from, yeah. that, as a, to, to quote Lewis again. Yep. Um, but uh, I think that's what's calling out to all of us. And so that desire for wholeness, that desire for eternal goodness. Yeah is always there and we we understand that we get a taste of it now mm-hmm. and we get all of it uh uh eventually mm-hmm. we get all of it in the not yet yeah. in the uh uh in in the the eternal realm yeah the celestial city yeah more metaphors yeah that's good, that's good. <laughs> aslan's country aslan's we'll just country. get we'll see uh, reap achieve <laughs> reap will be there Hey, I hope you're enjoying the interview. I want to hit pause real quick to remind you of my book, Aching Joy, Following God Through the Land of Unanswered Prayer. This is a book I wrote, of course, about my own journey with my son as he went into his fog of autism. I went into my own sort of fog as well of sadness and and, and trying to make sense of my life and trying to reorient my life 
but it's not a book strictly for autism parents. Uh, it's really for anyone who's going through that season of saying, what in the world has happened to my expectations? Life is going to look different now. Uh, and particularly those uh, of those people of faith who say, you know, I've prayed and I, I, I've called out to God for something to change and nothing's changing. What do I do now? So I hope you'll check it out, uh, achingjoy.com. Uh, you can read more about it there. It it, it did win uh, an award last year. It won the Cascade Award for Best Memoir. And my mom tells me it's it's really good. So anyway, check it out. Now back to the interview. AJ, you have another song. And you did you posted a video of this one a couple of months ago. I think it was like early on in quarantine season. Yeah. That's when I got on the phone with you and was like, dude, start putting some videos out. Yeah. That was good. And you did it like... The next day or something, I was so honored <laughs> that you listened to me. No, you put this up, and I thought, man, this song just speaks so much peace to my soul. Um, and when all the noise can get to you, there was something about this that just like, oh, like it pulls your heart toward home. Can you play River of Gold? Yeah, absolutely. fails to the bliss of the sound of songs greeted by the warmth of a man who shines like the morning sun on the river of gold Set a banquet in the breeze The songs echo boldly And the birches bow as if stricken to their knees The sound is so sweet It's like whispers through the leaves On the river of gold River of gold 
fails to the bliss of the sound of songs you're greeted by the warmth of a man who shines like the setting sun on the river of gold my producer back there isn't clap oh I don't have a producer <laughs> that was like I said, man, I love that song. Yeah. Um, and I love especially as you transition to the hymn there yeah. um, because it puts it all together. What it speaks to me is that there are so many blessings right there in front of us. I know you wrote this song about a place, mm-hmm. um, a beautiful place where you got married and your friend who, who uh, owns the land. And, and it is this place that's so rich and so mm-hmm. peaceful and so full of blessing. Mm-hmm. What are the things in your life, AJ, that you can say, Lord, I praise you for blessing, even though life isn't perfect, even though life is full of challenges, you've lost loved ones recently, yeah. you're, you're making a move across the country, all of these things, uh, uh, not, not to mention the things you've already shared. Where do you find the blessing of the Lord in your life? You know, um, through, through my kids, through my wife, through my family, um, I just am a really blessed man. Like I've got a wonderful, amazing, beautiful, and talented wife uh, who's supportive and encouraging. She drives me around. I mean, like, because um, I don't drive very much, and uh, it's really scary when I do. My wife does most of the driving, and so that is a huge, huge blessing. My kids are awesome. Um, I have a great relationship with my parents and with my siblings, and I mean, I've, I have so much to be thankful for, mm-hmm. um, and uh so you know, and even that place, Jeff's. I mean, that is a, a gift. And now we live forty-five minutes to an hour from it, you know, instead of two full days' drive, you know. And so it's, I, I have so much to be thankful for, you know, um, so much to be thankful for. Yeah. I I think about how the the idea of blessing 
gets so convoluted now because there are some who say, well, God has blessed me because I have done this or this or this or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, and will hold up their ministry success or mm-hmm. financial success or something as proof of God's endorsement. Right. And I don't hear that in what you're saying at all. I feel <laughs> it's just like God is so good, and every yeah. good and perfect gift comes right. from his hands. Yeah, absolutely. So to acknowledge his blessing is just yeah. like, it's like his grace, his unmerited oh, man. favor. Well, blessing and grace so close are so closely intertwined with each other. Like you have these, um, just the graces of of everyday life. You know, the little graces that that you can be thankful for. You know, God, thankful my car didn't break down today. God, thankful I'm th- I thank you that um, I'm healthy today. I'm, I thank you that my family's healthy today. I'm thankful that you know. And so those are the things. Then you have the greater things, the the greater blessings and, and graces, like my salvation through what Jesus did on my behalf. Um, and continues to do at the right hand of the Father. Those are huge things, you know? And so um, it, I, I don't, you know, and I've, I've, told, I've told my wife, I've told a lot of people this, I don't care uh, to be the guy that's playing in massive stadiums and touring with big old buses and stuff. That You know, if that happens, whatever. Like, I, I, I love the, the personal conversations with people. I love seeing, I love being encouragement to someone. I love seeing what, what God is, hearing about what God is doing in their life. I love... I love that aspect of it, and I see that as total success. And so whenever I can have conversations with someone after a house show or after a, a show at a bar or a show wherever, um, and I can actually have a good conversation with someone, that's a success. That's a blessing, you know? And uh, um, I, I've something I felt like when Rachel and I got married, um, and I told her <laughs> this when I proposed, which is probably not the wisest idea, but I said, I can't promise you that we'll be wealthy. like. I, I can probably promise you we won't be wealthy, but I can promise you that it'll be an adventure. Wow, thanks so much, AJ, for being with us today, and thank you guys for listening. AJ has uh, an EP coming out on September 1st called Nature Boy. Uh, I encourage you to grab that. You can jump on, follow him on Facebook or Instagram at Blind Bard Music. Um, this new EP is heavily influenced by story. He has a song uh, based on the book Because of Winn-Dixie, Another one based on the Laura Ingalls Wilder books, which is kind of a love song to his wife. It's just absolutely beautiful. So check that out, Blind Bar Music on Facebook and Instagram. And thank you guys so much for listening to the Aching Joy podcast. If you like what you're hearing, I'd love it if you'd share this on uh, social media or drop us a, a review on iTunes because that kind of thing, believe it or not, really does help with their algorithm and helps people find uh, find the show. And if you want to get in touch with me, uh, you can find me on my Facebook page, Jason Haig Writer. That's H-A-G-U-E uh, or JasonHaig.com. Thanks so much for listening.